0: Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Discussing the process uh, between citrus varieties being released and those being available to growers. A lot of things have to happen in between that time. That's the topic today for the All In For Citrus podcast. Before we get to that, as always, I am joined by UF IFAS's Dr. Michael Rogers. Dr. Rogers, you guys just wrapped up a big event for you guys at the Open House um, in connection with our topic today. Uh, a lot of citrus varieties were there from your breeders uh, out on the table that the industry could take a look at. Any, any interesting insights from that? Uh, yes, and uh, our breeders
1: um, four or five times a year throughout the growing season will do these fruit displays around the state. Um, several of them happen in Lake Alfred. Others will take place over on the East Coast of the state. Um, but the one that happened today in conjunction with the open house that we had here at the CREC uh, this was actually the second uh, fruit display event of the year. At these events, typically what they'll have are a number of both fresh fruit and juice fruit varieties uh, that mature at this time of year. So we're, we're into, you know, midway into, into November now. And so they had some of the things that were available at this time of the year for growers to sample. And they really do it almost kind of like a wine tasting kind of event where uh, they ask growers to come in. They're looking for feedback, you know, to help advance these selections, pick the winners, if you will. And so the growers will come in, um, you know, sample a piece of fruit and rate it on, on certain features that the breeders are interested in knowing more about how it's perceived by the growers and, you know, then you uh, take a drink of water, a little bite of cracker, and then move on to the next one. And so you kind of move around the room, sampling all the different uh, varieties that are there. And, and that feedback is really important for us. Um, like I said, you know, we're looking for the things that growers think are going to be a winner in the marketplace. Things that they can sell, um, things that are, if you're talking fresh fruit, you know, easy peeling, seedless varieties uh, that taste great. Juice, um, obviously juice quality, and, and they did have juice samples available at the event for growers to sample some of the, the early maturing juice, um, sweet orange varieties for juice that are available as well.
0: That's pretty cool. And we'll talk about that process of those ones that do advance um, in between now and when they get into growers' hands. That process is uh, a little intricate, but it's important to know about what's going on there. Now, your open house event, you had a lot of other stuff going on besides the fruit display, um, some field tours, and then also some very good discussions.
1: Uh, yes. And so we, we did have a number of things. We kicked off this morning um, at 9 o'clock. Uh, with a panel discussion uh, talking about what, you know, you can do now to improve the health of the trees. Um, we had, of course, the fruit display. We also had, um, all of our faculty had booths set up um, f- at the CREC for growers to come and interact one-on-one to see, you know, the science that's being done. You know, they had, you know, uh, display set up with some hands-on exhibits. Um, but it was a chance for growers to interact um, with our researchers you know, ask questions, learn more about what's happening, both, um, you know, things, some, some of the science that's gonna lead to things in the future that they can use, but also talk about things that can be used right now. And we also included, um, after lunch, we had several field tours where growers could go out and see, for example, we had a Jackson grapefruit trial, and then we had a, another field trial that was uh, looking at different management tactics. Um, when you combine those together, how successful can you be in bringing a grove into production? So growers got to go out and see that, um, as well as tour some of our facilities, such as our um, juice processing pilot plan and packing house.
0: Now you guys had a panel discussion that I understand was uh, pretty uh, informational.
1: Yeah, so we, we kicked off the event um, with this panel discussion. The theme of the panel discussion was maintaining the health of citrus trees and the presence of HOB. Um, you know, right now we have a lot of research going uh, trying to develop solutions that are going to be further down the road. So we're talking about things like um, developing a tree, whether it be through conventional breeding or through genetic techniques, you know, like gene editing, for example, or transgenics to develop resistant trees. But, but those things aren't going to happen in the near term. Those are going to be much uh, further down the road. But right now for our industry, it's important that you know, growers are thinking about things they can do now to keep those groves, continue to keep groves productive, and also groves that are coming into production. We've got a large number of trees in the field right now, maybe as much as 30% of the trees in our commercial groves right now have have been planted in the past three or four years. And those trees are just now starting to come into production, and we're going to see our yields start to increase with time. So it's important to be thinking about ways that we can manage the health of those trees to keep them, you know, bring them into production, and, you know, sustain those yields until we have more long term solutions. Um, like I said, you know, through primarily a resistant tree, if you will.
0: How many people do you think were at the uh, open house? Was it uh, a successful event? I know we're starting to get more events on the calendar and opening up a little bit more. It's nice to get everybody out there, right?
1: yeah uh, we had about 200 registrants um, from the industry that's growers and other other folks within the industry who who registered and we had a had a full house for the uh, especially the panel discussion and all the events that took place uh, most the majority of this was indoors. Um, we did have some events some booths set up outside and we had a tent set up outside for lunch but but we had a packed house and it was really good to get to see folks um, in person. We've not seen a lot of people. Face to face that much um, in the past year or so, and so this was the first really big event that we've held at the CREC in Lake Alfred, and you know, just it was just refreshing uh, to get to see everybody and and talk to folks that we haven't really got to interact with as much. And and it wasn't just our faculty uh, getting to interact with growers, Um, you know, all of our staff here at the CREC were engaged, as well as our students and postdocs. So it was you know we truly had quite the packed room when you add in the the 200 folks. Uh, who registered for the event, and add on another 150 or 200 of our, our folks from CREC. It was, it was quite a crowded event, uh, but it went off really well. We were very pleased with the attendance and, and the feedback we got from growers about the event.
0: Is the information going to be posted online for anybody who wasn't able to make it?
1: Um, yeah, we what we'll probably end up having is uh, the main thing that would be online would be uh, a video recording of the panel discussion that took place that we kicked off the event with and that will be posted online i'm not sure when but it will be on our 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 website the and um, once they get that uh, video uh, processed and and uploaded we'll you can check on the website and you'll see links to it there
0: very good Uh, anything else on the agenda coming up to make a quick note of before we discuss it a little bit further in future episodes
1: well, I think uh, right now, I mean, that, that's the last of our big events for, for this season. I know growers are really busy uh, with the harvest season getting underway. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening out in the fields and the groves right now. Um, we do have uh, later on this month, I think there's a, a winter weather watch meeting uh, that's being held by Zoom. Uh, but then, you know, uh, we'll be ready to go again with in-person, you know, more in-person meetings um starting off probably uh beginning of the year with our, our citrus show in fort pierce i believe
0: all right good update it sounds like a great event at the open house again thank you dr michael rogers for your time today in the october episode of the all in for citrus podcast we got a chance to hear from uf ifas citrus breeders fred committer and jude Grosser on some of the new varieties that are in the pipeline and on the way for growers The two talked about the citrus varieties that they're most interested in and have high hopes for. But what happens once a variety is approved and released? The next steps are very key. And that's the topic we're talking about today. Peter Chairs, Executive Director of the New Varieties Development and Management Corp. And John Butenmuller, the Executive Director of the Florida Foundation Seed Producers. Uh, gentlemen, it's, it's exciting to hear Fred and Jude talk about those varieties and some of the ones they're testing and they're excited about. And the ones that they're proud about. Uh, that are already available. But I think what a lot of growers don't know is the next step in the process to get those varieties out to the industry. And if you look at the the kind of process and how that works, John, you guys are kind of next in that. And and talk about what happens from when IFAS decides on something. uh, What's the next step in that? That's where you come into play, correct?
2: That's correct. So there's really a two-step internal process at the IFAS level. Uh, Once a uh, breeder uh, has advanced a variety to the point in time at which they feel it is um, worthy of of commercial release, uh, a cultivar release advisory committee will be convened to essentially peer review the proposed release. The recommendation from that committee then goes to the IFAS-wide cultivar release committee uh, where where releases are considered for, for formal approval. After approved, um, uh, they'll be assigned and transferred over to our organization, Florida Foundation Seed. We are um, a nonprofit uh, direct support organization of the University of Florida that works to uh, transfer the uh, technology in new plant varieties to industry. So in the case of Uh, citrus, we will file for plant patents on the new varieties. And in the case of uh, sweet oranges and rootstocks, we will then uh, non-exclusively license uh, those varieties to citrus nurseries so that they can propagate and sell trees to uh, Florida citrus growers. And um, then for uh, Uh, fresh oranges uh, we have issued an invitation to negotiate anytime we license something exclusively we go through a a public invitation to negotiate or itn process and um, that's where uh, we work with uh, new varieties development management corporation with uh, fresh citrus varieties
0: yeah it's very important to note there's uh, two different methods there for juice oranges it's to nurseries for fresh oranges, that's where you welcome in, um, partners to, to come and work um, and help get this out. And that's when we welcome in Peter, um, Peter, this is where you guys come in and, uh, cooperate with them. And, and that's the next step in this process is you're, you're a very important step to get that out, to be able to, to move that forward to the industry.
3: You know, the fresh market is is a very different animal, whereas New Varieties Development and Management Corp. is a not-for-profit uh, 501c5 uh, with a board that's appointed by the various industry organizations. And the people that, that are in those seats serve at the pleasure of the organization that appointed them. Uh, but the purpose of that is to really have broad industry engagement in this process. So Whereas the NVDMC does support variety research projects um, through sponsored projects, the licensing portion of what we do is is really at this point exclusively fresh. Uh, So we would respond to the invitation to negotiate with a proposal and if awarded, uh, then we would uh, sub-license that variety out to nurseries and growers and in some cases packers uh, for commercialization or trial. Uh, it can be some combination on the things that are much less proven. Uh, a lot of questions remain. They're, they're typically put out into a trial program, but in other cases when growers have really seen things that they are very encouraged by, uh, we've, we've uh, cooperated with Florida Foundation seed producers on models that would uh, give them the option to do larger scale trials or even commercial plantings.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because you said that that has changed uh, over the years. It used to always kind of go to trials and then move eventually to commercialization. Um, but like you mentioned, that that's changed a little bit recently.
3: It, it has, and 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 NVDMC and Florida Foundation Seed and and IFAS really worked hard to try to develop a mechanism for this process, and we call it fast track. And when fast track first started. Uh, things were released in tiers, and um, the first tier was just a trial process, and there was a time frame associated with that. There was a limitation on the number of trees; it was a 30-tree program. Uh, we really were kind of putting, you know, kind of framing it in, so growers were limited at how many they could plant. We, we, um, uh, for various reasons, also wanted to kind of self-limit their their risk, uh, but they would then come back. Uh, with recommendations, observations and recommendations along the way so we would have grower groups that would share information about what they were experiencing and what they were seeing with these selections and help determine which ones would move forward. And then it kind of grew along the way into a trial program, but the growers wanted an option to commercialize immediately uh, if they really wanted to to move forward with it much quicker. Uh, they could do so. Uh, so, if that option were uh, were exercised, then Florida Foundation Seed was patenting that variety, and we were kind of off and running. Um, and then the latest rendition of Fast Track, when the marathon was released, was a combined program, and there were some real advantages to doing that. So, so growers can enter the program at any time. There, there's n- there's not any. Uh, there, nobody is, is sealed out, so growers that, that are early adopters can come in and either trial it on a small trial, a large trial, or any, some, or even some scale of commercial production if they cho- choose to do that, whereas other growers that want to take a more conservative approach uh, can plan a small trial, gain some experience from that, and then make their decisions on what they want to do. But anybody in this newer model can enter the program at any time. Uh, so nobody is, nobody is sealed out for, for any period of time, which is a really advantage. I think
0: Yeah, it's interesting, John. So you guys are a nonprofit. Um, when, when I think when growers hear that you guys file the patents and then move on from there, um, I don't think they realize that a, a, a lot of that goes back to funding the, the research into new varieties, right?
2: That's correct, Taylor. Actually, um, University of Florida for plant germplasm and varieties has the most aggressive reinvestment of royalties out of any land grant uh, in the United States. And so 70 percent of royalties generated from uh, uh, licensing of of these varieties, whether they be sweet oranges, rootstocks or or fresh oranges, fresh citrus, um, is reinvested back into uh, supporting the citrus plant breeding effort. Um, And so this is really uh, uh, critical to the long-term success of these research programs. And, um, uh, you know, it it has been a successful model in a a multitude of of different crops, um, which IFAS has uh, active plant breeding programs.
0: You're getting the research, you're getting the results out to the industry, a very important part. But then you're also helping the research continue by being able to fund them. I you know I think that's that's something that the industry doesn't quite always realize that 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 does come back to help it continue. Um Peter so you must you guys must be watching the what they're doing over there in the research all the time looking at the new varieties and and paying attention to what they're developing.
3: Yeah, it's a close working relationship and and the plant improvement team really makes an effort to stay engaged with the industries at the nursery level, grower level, packers and processors. And so we have these variety display days where everybody comes together, but even between those, uh, there's a tremendous amount of interaction between NVDMC and the plant improvement team and the industry as a whole and the plant improvement team. So it, it really helps them to keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry, what the industry needs are, the priorities, um, and, and those change along the way. Uh, and so it's 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 a bit of a moving target, but but they do a really good job of of, uh, of of keeping the handle on what what the industry goals are,
0: John. We just heard uh, um, updates on a lot of the varieties that they're developing uh, and looking at and excited about. Um, are there ones that you guys are are kind of eager to uh, have finally released so you guys can get this out to the industry?
2: Well, there, there's a lot of material, Taylor, and I think part of the you know what's been so. Uh, impactful in the, the close connection that NVDMC has with the plant improvement team is is establishing that feedback loop um, as the, you know, Dr. Scameter and Grocer have, have both spent um, a large majority of their career developing the technologies to uh, be able to create variability or, or new varieties in, in citrus. And so, um, the pipeline, uh, quite honestly, right now is, is is extremely full, and part of that feedback loop and, and benefit of, of NVDMC's participation is to help sift through uh, all of the new creations that, uh, that, that come out of the program. And, and so, uh, as you can imagine, um, in, in somewhat of a, a funnel-type situation, you know, you have very different sieves throughout the the funnel. And and so um, having that close connection and and feedback loop through NBDMC is really helpful to uh, determine which of the uh, most promising selections are in fact the most promising. And so um, we're we're very excited about uh, the, the pipeline and, and the future of, uh, new citrus varieties coming from IPAS.
0: Yeah. It almost, it almost helps kind of vet it. And as we were mentioning before, um, there's a lot, uh, it didn't used to be that much. There is a lot now of new varieties that they're looking at to help, uh, growers manage diseases, manage pests. Obviously the big one is HLB citrus greening. Um, but, with that many you can get kind of overloaded and and some people can get really excited about some stuff and other people not um so that does help that input does help any input helps even these events where you're just able to get it out on the table and be able to look at it Peter the, those kind of events we haven't had to we haven't been able to have those for a while. Um, but how important are those just to have the fruit out there and be able to get eyes on it
3: it's extremely important. And, and the, you know, the industry really enjoys these events. I mean, they can become a bit of a social function uh, because everybody really likes to talk to each other about what they're seeing, what they like, what they see potential. in. Uh, so we try to structure them to kind of, because it, when they arrive at these events, they, they move through a process where they go through and, and try these various uh, selections and score them. Uh, there's a data collection process at these events. And so that data is compiled and then fed back to the plant improvement team to help inform their decisions on what they would recommend uh, go forward. And, and during COVID, I mean, we, when we were not able to gather, we continued to, to try to assist in sending samples out for comment and to gather data in a more limited way. But nothing is like gathering in person. And there's a the, the big challenge right now is to you need to continue to make new creations. You can't turn that type of a process on and off with a lights like a light switch. But the big challenge now as John mentioned with the volume of material that's in the field with say 30 to 50,000 unique trees is making those initial selections on what needs to get in front of the industry so we try to provide some support for them to be able to do that and then gather the industry input to try to decide what goes to the next step. And as these broader, wide-scale, larger-scale uh, field trial programs are going in the ground, what should be included in those to gather uh, more data for the growers that are coming uh, along down the road that would help inform their planting decisions. So it's it's there's a lot going on at one time.
0: John, you, you touched on this before we started recording a little bit. Uh, Peter, you too. But... But have you guys ever seen something where we we put the f- the fruit out there that that Fred and Jude have talked about? Um, you know some of the the benefits of it, and and it's surprising that some people latch on to one, and some people don't latch on to that one, or latch on to another one for a completely different reason. Is it is it surprising how that ends up sometimes, John? I'll let you go first.
2: It is. I think uh, especially you know when you bring people to the table that. Um, have their finger on the pulse of the market, and and so you can imagine, especially in fresh fruit, uh, whether it be seedless, easy peel, uh, mandarins or tangerines, um, you know, size is 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 a, always a big thing. And so I know, for example, there have been cases where there's been a feeling that, uh, say, a, per- a, a particular selection may have uh, fruit size that is. Uh, below average, but uh, sometimes bringing uh, different packers or people uh, that are, you know, actively marketing uh, these products on a, on a daily basis to the table, uh, you know, they, they may have unique ideas as to how uh, a small selection, for example, may be uh, packaged and, and how that could be a unique product. And, and so, um, there are, uh, I mean, I think those types of conversations come up every, every display day is, is to, you know, what if you, what if you position this piece of fruit like this and, and this other one like that, and, um, you know, and then also a focus on, on how do you build out a series or a suite of, of several varieties that may have, um, similar fruit characteristics, but, uh, different maturity windows and, and how may, uh, a group of selections come to market in such a way that um, uh, you're able to have a, a a broader season with with multiple selections or multiple varieties.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. It's uh, it's like trying to find instead of saying I like that one and not that one. Instead of the not, it's let me see what I can do with that one. You know, and you're right. The marketer's eye could kind of change that. Peter, you feel the same way?
3: I do. I too, and and not only I think in how those things are positioned, but how you get to the decision point on what you wanna move forward. You know, We knew all along that round oranges for processing were gonna require a much larger, more extensive data set because it generally goes in a much larger acreage. It's driving a much larger portion of the industry. So we knew that it was gonna take longer to evaluate things for the processing sector Uh, than for fresh. So we thought fresh would be a much faster process and we could accomplish a lot more in a smaller footprint with less trees planted and so forth. But it's interesting now to see the growers trying to figure out what the appropriate pace of introduction is because some of them would take these new selections and push them really hard with really heavy advanced nutrition programs to try to build the tree structure as fast as possible set fruit as fast as possible so they can make their decisions as fast as possible but when you're really pushing that tree uh as hard as they were you're in many cases you're you're getting less mature less desirable fruit quality so then you have to kind of wait for the tree to catch up and then get crops that are that are more uh realistic as or more representative of the variety and so now that we've had a few varieties that have come out at a slower pace that have been allowed to kind of develop on a more natural pace and 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 you you get that four or five years down the road and you have really good fruit to evaluate you're about the same place as if you had run really quick and then waited and so so it's it's going to be interesting to see how how grow, and growers may may all decide to approach that in their own way but uh, we, we, this was a very new process to all of us, but the level of desperation in our industry for answers and things that will will thrive or or be able to survive and thrive in this uh, HLB environment that we find ourselves in, and produce a good quality piece of fruit and hold it on the tree until market. How do you how do you get there and how do you accomplish that evaluation and make your decision on? which direction you're going to go. So everybody's learning along the way.
0: The middlemen in this process, the key cogs of the chain to get new varieties out to the industry. Peter Chairs of the New Varieties Development and Management Corp. And John Buttenmuller, Executive Director of the Florida Foundation Seed Producers. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the conversation. I appreciate it.
2: Our pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.